0: Hello, and thanks for listening. Welcome to the Wines of South Africa podcast. I'm U.S. Marketing Manager Jim Clark. In each episode, we explore some aspect of South African wine. We talk with winemakers, winery owners, and other members of South Africa's vibrant wine industry, and we also give a sommelier a chance to share their impression of the wines. This is the second of two episodes about black-owned brands in South Africa. Last time, we looked at brands owned by individuals. Today, we're going to look at a different model, wherein the workers as a group own their brand or part of a brand themselves. The South African government has been particularly supportive of this approach. When it works, it can change the lives of dozens of families at a time. In addition, because of the way they're funded, land ownership is often an integral component. That's not always true with brands owned by individuals.
1: Hi there, my name is Enoch Zalemi. I'm actually the marketing manager for the wine brand called Fevele Wine. Just to give you a bit of background on how it started. Well, Fevelli was established in 1998, and it was mainly because of Mr. Beck, the owner of Wines, who decided he wanted to help his workers by making sure that they also own something. How it started is that Mr. Beck realize for his workers, he wants them to own something actually at the end of the day. So it came about, I think it was 1997, whereby they set up an association for these farm workers at view and the government of South Africa donated grants to these farm workers and also Charles partner up and on his side, he also gave some money so that they can buy a piece of land. This piece of ground is about 16 hectares of this farmland that they bought in the beginning. So that's how Charles Mr. Beck was involved when they set up the Fair Valley Association. And from onset, from 1997 or 1998, what the farm workers then decided to do was to start a wine plant called Fair Valley. And the one most important reason, started this wine plant as a vehicle to raise funds so that they can make money in order to build homes for themselves on this farmland called Fair The wine range is really, it's high quality wines, but value really wines for money. And the range includes a Chinon Blanc. We have a beautiful Sauvignon Blanc. And we also have a Pinotage being a, a typical South African variety. So we thought it, it really fits within our brand to, to actually have the Pinotage as well.
0: In Fair Valley's case, the workers own the property and parl themselves, even if they actually source grapes from elsewhere for their wines. In some other programs, white farm owners and their workers might arrange to own the land and other capital in tandem. That's the case at one of South Africa's most dynamic transformation brands, Bosman Adama, not far away in Wellington.
2: Good afternoon. My name is Rita Andreas, and I'm one of the beneficiaries of the Adama Trust at the Bosman Adama and also founder and member of the BE project of Bosman Adama. Everything started in 2007 when Mr. Bosman and his three sons came to the workers' committee and then they informed them that they want to do this model with them. The committee must go back and they must decide if they want to do it with them. So I can remember there was one of the workers, the committee members, and he said, guys, we have nothing to lose, let Take a chance. So then we went back to the boss and said, okay, we want to try it with you and see how it goes. So then we started the whole project, the applications and everything. And then there was a lot of training and a lot of things that we have to adhere to and to take our workers through a lot of things. So the first was to train the workers committee because shareholding is a new thing. And the model that they explained to us is that they want people to buy some shares into the company. And then we applied to government for funding and we received the LRAD funds on those days. In 2007, we did the application, but in 2008, we received our fair accreditation. So we started with 260 beneficiaries and we bought our shares from money that we received from government. So then we established then the Workers Trust and out of the Workers Trust we have two directors who sit on the board and this is how we started the whole project. Bosman Adama is the new name now that we use. My grandfather's name was Adam Apollos. And then Peter's grand grandpa was a Bosman and for every Bosman there was an Apollos. I'm the first generation of the Apollos family. And so we grew up, and then Mr. Bosman, this is now Peter's father, he decided that we must look at a name that fits both of the families because we are a real family. I grew up on the farm. I'm born on the farm, and I was a general worker on the farm. So then we use the family names, like an Adam, Adama is nickname for Adam, and the Bosmans, and that's why we call the, the name now Bosman Adama, the name of the two families.
0: While Fair Valley and Bosman Adama both went directly into wine production, another project, Compagnies Drift, took a different route while still staying deeply connected to the wine industry. Please note that I spoke to Ilsa Rutherford from Compagnie's Drift in the middle of 2020. You'll hear her mention the alcohol sales ban that hit the South African wine industry quite hard during the height of the COVID-19 lockdown there.
3: Good day, Ilsa Rutherford, and I'm Managing Director of Compagnie's Drift. And Companys Drift is a facility which offers wine storage, labelling and order processing to the wine industry. And we also produce wine since 2015. I've been in the wine industry since 1999 (laughs) And I joined the well-known Meadless Estate in 2006 as an export administrator. And my mentor then identified me as a person who will be capable and have the potential to assist the workers and help them to set up this project. And at first, I wasn't clued up with Black Economic Empowerment, And I didn't understand what they're trying to do. But I was grateful for the opportunity. And I just saw it as an opportunity to better myself. It's an opportunity to better 72 farm workers. And I'm going to grab it with both hands. It wasn't easy. Up till now, I'm still learning. But I'm really grateful for a supportive team. I have two mentors that support me in everything that I do. They respect my decisions and they actually give me the freedom to um, run the company the way that I want to. And I have a passion for people. And I really want to give my staff great opportunities for them that they never could have. And I just want them to have a better life. And it's my obsession and my home away from home. Companions Drift was created out of passion for people. And we opened our doors on the 1st of December, 2010. And the Maybrook Family Trust, the owners of the world-renowned Meerless wine estate in Stellenbosch, they were looking for an investment and a project that would be beneficial for their farm workers. And although we own vineyards and have grapes, we decided on the storage facility, and that is how companies started. And the main reason was Meadless at that time stored their wines at a storage facility in Cape Town and it would be ideal just to deliver their wines down the road and also then offer the service to the wine producers in the area who actually do not have the space and can accommodate their wines on their own premises. And that's how it all started. We have two mentors. It is Albedoval is the current CEO of Mirlis and then Hannes Mayberg, the owner of Mirlis. And I think when they sat down and thought of the business opportunity for the farm workers, I think they knew that having vineyards, maintaining it and harvesting and making wine, it's going to be a much longer and longer process than opening the storage facility and getting in wineries that makes use of our services. So I think they always say even now if we have meetings, they realize and we think that was the best decision. It was starting with the storage facility and doing the wine afterwards because it's now 10 years down the line and we didn't pay our dividends yet, but we are doing well. The company is in a good financial position. And I think if the wines was our core business, and now with the alcohol ban, I think it would have been a different story. Our main service at the moment is wine storage. And then we also offer labelling Many of our customers bring in the wines unlabeled. So then we label it on demand. And we also offer storage for the dry goods, cartons, capsules. We offered a bottling service, but the bottling company left and moved to their own premises. So currently I applied for funding to have our own mobile bottling that can move to our customers. Because of COVID-19 pandemic, all the funding has been put on hold, but we would like in the near future have our own tasting room and also a bottling line. Other than wine storage and the labeling, we also process the customer's orders for export and local. For export, we have to add an importer sticker. We have to pack the order and then we load it either in a container or the transport that comes and collect it and deliver it at an export warehouse. So that's the logistical service. We have up to 50 customers that make use of our services, and we have over 2.5 million bottles stored with us. And it is many customers uh, Needless, they are our biggest one, and I also say our most difficult customer. <laughs> and then we have clients like New Ellis, Ken Forrester, Friesen of Lismore, Mural Wines, Riscalian, so it's a... A wide variety of big and two private winemakers that make use of our services, and I think they like it because we offer more than one service under our roof.
0: Fair Valley, Bosman, and Company's Drift all got their start with government support via a program called LRAD, Land Distribution for Agricultural Development. But each has adapted the basic model to match their needs and the preferences of the workers involved.
3: Since the 1st of July 2019, we are a 100% Black owned, Black economic empowerment company. And the owners is the Mearless Workers Trust, which consists out of 72 workers of Mirles, Companies Drev, Ken Forrester, and Friesen of Workers. Years ago, we received grants from the Department of Land Reform and Rural Development, and it was with that grant that we became the owners of the land, and also we received a grant to set up the infrastructure and start Companies Drift. But, you know, that wasn't enough because Companies Drift Is a 45 million rand project, and we had to actually make use of a financial institution to assist us, and also the Meyerberg Family Trust, our other partner, up till the first of July. So before the first of July, we were a 50 50 partnership. But we struggle to get funding and to qualify for grants because of the 50-50 partnership. Although I was comfortable with the 50-50 partnership because MIRLIS didn't just assist us financially. They are also our full-time mentors and they really there to make sure that we as a company reach success and we make the right decisions. But I also understand why we are 100% Black-owned, because it's just much easier to apply for funding and to get opportunities that's beneficial for the company. That
2: funding was specific to go in business, worth of the part with the Bosman families, but most for agricultural use, for land use. We have to farm with that money. It's not money that we can spend on everything that we want to Most of all, it must be used for land, the farming. That is why they gave us the money. Now, all of a sudden, here is the farmer and his sons with the workers, and they want them to be part of the whole business, to be partners now. So it was difficult for the workers to understand that model because it's now workers and owners. It's like, an oh, what's what's going on now? So due to the, the training and a lot of information sessions that we have, we did then have the buy-in from the workers in this whole model Yeah, The beneficiaries, we started in 2008, and from the first year, they received a dividend because it was a very successful farm, and it was the existing one that we bought in. So then they were very fortunate so that they can pay out the dividend in the first year already. And as I look back since 2002, we started, we have like less than 100 people, permanent workers. we now almost round about five to 600 permanent workers on the farm.
0: Dividends can go to workers individually, but they can also go to projects that improve the quality of life for the community as a whole. Again, each trust sorts out their priorities, whether it be homes, educational facilities, social or medical services, or something else.
1: So in the business, the profits are aimed really to help these farm workers. It's actually 42 farm workers in order to build homes on their farmland and also to improve their livelihoods and that of their family members. In South Africa, most of the time, farm workers tend to live on the farm where they work. So for him, he wanted his workers to be able to have their own place, to own their own land, and to be able to build houses on that piece of ground that they can farm. So in 1998, they set up an association called the Fair Valley Association, and they raised funds to buy a piece of land not far from Fairview. This piece of land is about 16 hectares of farmland. farm land. And after they purchased this land, two things actually that they decided. One was they wanted to build homes, because that's very important, that one needs to have their own home. Because if you stay on the farm and then you live on the house that is owned by the farmer, that house doesn't belong to you. So the most important thing here was that these farm workers wants to give them the opportunity so that they can actually build and own their own homes and their own property. So they then decided to form this one company called Valley Wines. And this Valley Wines was formed and as a vehicle in order to raise funds so that they will be able to build homes eventually on this farmland. At one stage, we tried to partner up with the developer so that we can really develop that piece of land in order to have like industrial in the area and really to create employment as well for the people in the area and within the community as well. But that has proved to be very difficult with the regulations in the country. At the moment, there's nothing really that has happened. Uh, We haven't been successful in order to be able to build that. But we were able to build, um, and on the farmland, we were able to build eight houses from the profit that we made from selling the wards. But we're still trying hard. We're working very close, um, trying to work hard with our authorities in order to get there so that we'll be able one day to build a community and to make sure that everyone that is part of the family, able to own the homes that they've been dreaming um, to own.
3: Although we have the storage facility and we produce wine, we also owe land that we rent out to Mirlis for grazing, Empty agricultural land, and we also owe houses. On the Compagnes side, we owe nine houses, and on the forest side, we owe over 27 houses. And future plans are that we would like to develop a housing agri-village so that each beneficiary can become a homeowner. That's one of our biggest plans and we've been working on this project for many years and we would also like to have a a tasting room where people can come to Kompani's Drift and sit and relax and taste and buy our wines. We want to build a centre of excellence
2: that we want to put up for our kids and there's a lot of bursaries that we help the school kids with and we're going to put in now to help our matriculants and our grade eight children to see if we can help them decide on which career they want to do and the environmental programs that we want to bring in, recycling and these kind of things. We are very fortunate to have all these things and people like Pietras who buy in, who want to uplift the workers and every day come with new ideas and nowadays the workers are in a position they have a say So they can anytime go and say This is one what we As the workers want to do How can you assist us in this And believe me I was HR manager for more than 10 years On the farm and in my days I can't remember one project That they don't want to do with me They buy in and they said As long as the workers and their children Can benefit out of what you want to do Go for it Very supportive from their side and the workers are in a position that they can have a say and they can say what they want what's best for them on the farm.
0: These ownership models also open the door to the possibility of fair trade certification, and South Africa produces two-thirds of the world's fair trade certified wines.
2: Fair trade make a huge difference in the lives of our farm workers. We started Fair Trade in two thousand and nine. And there's a lot of things that you have to go through before you can be fair trade. A lot of money that you have to put in and legislation and everything that goes apart with this application and things. So we've done all this and then we became fair trade. I can say here in our area, Drakens, in the West Cape, one of the most successful fair trade model that we have here. And the fact that we can get some premium money back from fair trade, we can do a lot of projects and things For the benefit of our workers on the farm, yeah. With the first money that we received from Factor, the premium money, we bought two buses. And that buses uh, take our children to school every day because the schools are more than five kilometres from the farm. So they take the children to school every day. If there's people, the workers who want to go to hospital, maybe in Cape Town, uh, like in 50 kilometres, then they use the buses to take the people to there. And then we put up a computer centrum for our school children, as well as our workers receive training in computer. We do have a crash. Uh, I think it's now 77 children in the crash. Just from general workers, we have a very successful choir, a men's club, a women's club, and a lot of projects that I believe other farmers are jealous of. And very benefit to have this because the community can see their the premium money. We use it for their own benefit, for the community's benefit.
1: We decided to register as fair trade trade um, wine supplier or wine trader. That was in 2010. Um, and at that time, we then decided to partner up with a producer up in the Pickness Group, uh, in the Sitchestyle area uh, called Piccinus Group, at the time they were very big in terms of producing fair trade wines. And the main reason why we actually also decided to do that was the fact that the fair trade standard really tells a story of representing farm workers. And our brand, the Fair Valley brand, it is actually owned 100% by farm workers. But at the same time, most of our markets, to be honest, the problem is that with fair trade is that it depends on the market as well, the market that requires fair trade. So most of the market where we supply our ones, where we sell our ones, we don't really see that fair trade. It's a requirement that much. So at the moment, the brand is not fair trade.
0: Government programs may emphasize the importance of land ownership, but farming wine grapes is the least profitable part of the wine supply chain. Even winemaking and brand ownership often sees thinner margins than working in distribution and retail. But it's also one place where one can really build and control a brand.
3: It was in 2015 we realized that we have access to good wine, and we then asked a meatless on a consultancy basis to make wines. And we started out with four wines, and currently we only have three, which is Anouda Chardonnay, a Chardonnay Pinot Noir blend, and a Cabernet Merlot blend. There's a new wine that is a wine very close to heart, a special product that I will be launching very soon. I think it will be next year. And it will be a wine that will be paying tribute to our mentors. And that is actually all that I'm going to say about that wine. For now, all the wines and all and Bosch origin and merely um, is the, the main supplier at the moment. But in future, if the production has to increase, we'll buy in. Wine production is very small. It consists of 25,000 bottles. And um, locally, it's only available in the Western Cape and helping at restaurants and bottle stores. Getting into retail stores is a real mission. But I employed two private reps recently that has years of experience and the necessary contacts. So we are quite positive And we hope that in the next few months, as soon as the alcohol ban has been lifted, we will be listed in retail stores. With regards to exports, we had our first export to Germany a few weeks ago. And earlier this year, we exported to Singapore. But my main aim this year and the next two or three years is to expand because I think our wines has lots of potential. Our wines are good. It's reasonably priced. It's just that many people do not know about us. And I can see on our social media, people are starting to know about company's because many people only know us as a production facility and not as a wine producer.
0: As I think we got a glimpse of last episode, women are taking the lead at many Black-owned brands, whether they follow a single ownership model or are owned by trusts.
3: One of my biggest passions are empowering women, I've been diagnosed with breast cancer a year ago but I'm doing well now I'm I'm, I'm fine and we decided to partner with a local national breast cancer awareness organisation And for each and every bottle of Chardonnay Pinot that we sell, we actually use a portion of that funds to send one of our ladies for the necessary screening test and to invest in, in breast health. That's one thing that makes my heart smile and that I'm very happy to see because for many years the wine industry has been seen as an industry for men. Even now, when people come and visit companies, they're asked to speak to the boss, and then I say it's me, they're quite shocked. It's strange to see that a woman that's in her early 40s are in charge of a production facility. And I think it's good because um, there's a stigma in the wine industry that if The husband works in the vineyards. The children has to follow and the wife has to stay at home and look after the children. And that is what I'm trying to change at Kompani's Drift is to give women the chance to become independent and to provide and help their husbands to provide for their families. And most of my team are women. (laughs) And I say as long as I'm there, I will just try to invest in women to get rid of that stigma that vineyards and agriculture are for men. We are at the moment with a Mirrorless workers operational. We are three directors and I'm one of them and the other two is our financial manager, Viraline. She's a local lady from Stellenbosch and she has a degree in finance. And the other director is a farm boy that grew up on Meerles, who is currently assistant production manager at Meerles and also studying full-time at Elsenburg Agricultural College. We are a balanced team. And we have regular meetings at the end of every financial year with the trustees informing them of the financial situation and also our plans and goals for the future.
0: Skills transfer is an important part of building successful Black-owned brands. It's not enough to enable Black ownership if the new owners don't have the education and skills to run the company profitably. Strong mentor relationships and open lines of communication are vital tools in this regard. I think
3: that's one of the biggest reasons why we are successful. I think it's because I have a full-time mentor that assists me on a regular basis. If we do not meet once a month at a director's meeting, we chat once or twice a week just to make sure that um, decisions that I make, it is um, correct. And I am making decisions that is um, not beneficial for companies, but also for the staff. And I think years back when I started, I think I just listened to my mentors. And if they say do this, I've done it. And now they say, I talk too much. (laughs) I'm much more confident in making decisions. And that is one of the biggest aspects that makes us successful is the mentorship Yes,
2: Successful due to the fact that we have regular meetings. Because I believe if you inform people about everything, they will make good decisions at the end of the day. Don't hide anything from them. Be open and talk to each other, communication play a big role in everything that you want to be successful. We have regular meetings, quarterly meetings. We have financial meetings with the shareholders. They have to know what's going on on their financial side. They have to see, look at the statements after they audit the book so they can be open for every one of them. And I think this is what makes ourselves successful because we keep our people informed.
0: Rita has become something of an evangelist for BEE programs like the one at Bosman Adama and is helping spread that model to other farms.
2: I've started the BEE program on the Bosman Adama, and in 2011, I've decided to move on so that I can do on other farms that I've did on the Bosman farms. So then I have got a position at the local municipality, the MECO Member for Rural Development, and I work with a lot of farms now in the Drakenstein area in Western Cape and also counselor for the rural development. It's one of my biggest dreams to take this model to other farms because if we can do it, I believe there's others. I work with a lot of farms to help them and see that the farmers can up- uplift them, empower them. The same that we did on the Bosman farm. So I want other farmers and farm workers to, to do the same what we've done there on that farm. And there's a lot of other farmers who want to uplift their people. So if I can make a difference on other farms, I will do it. I'm very fortunate to do it and I'm very successful. And I believe that the people have to be able to equal. And that is my motivation. That's why I in the municipality, so that I can improve the life of our farm workers. <laughs>
0: As always, we like to talk to an American sommelier and get their take on the wines that we're discussing. So this episode, I turn to Alicia Blackwell-Calvert, who I've known for several years, largely from Texom. She's a certified sommelier and independent wine consultant working out of St. Louis in the middle of the country. Alicia, how are you doing?
4: I'm good, Jen. How are you?
0: Good, thank you. It's great to see you. And I think maybe to start off with, what was your first uh, experience or first exposure to South African wines?
4: Yes. Before I became a certified sommelier working on the floor, I worked as a wine rep. So I worked for two different distributors here in St. Louis. And even though the South African portfolios weren't strong, I would say, there was definitely some South African representation, but they weren't what I call serious wines. It was like a Steen and a pinotage, and that's all we had. I can't remember producer, but there's an elephant or a rhino or something on the label. Okay. So definitely a critter wine style. So nothing too serious. I didn't get my first serious exposure on the fine wines of South Africa until I started as a floor sommelier at Reed's American table here in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. I give credit to now master sommelier Andre Ivanov.
1: That's he introduced
4: true. me to Sadi family and all heights. These are the first wines that really captivated me on what South Africa has to offer. I was completely blown away. I was geeking out on things like Portugal and Spain and seeing interesting varietals represented in South Africa that weren't just Pinotage or Steen was captivating. There's Ver- Verdoglio and there's Sauvignon Blanc, really amazing, Chardonnays, mm. Tinta Barocca. Wow, there's really interesting things if you know what to look for. So I definitely credit Andre for opening my eyes on the fine wines of South Africa. So now I advocate for South Africa. There's really interesting things going on. There's variety. It's not just the critter wines or things that are $5.99 a bottle. There's some really delicious quality and attention to detail in what's coming out of South Africa right now.
0: It's exciting. Great. Yeah, I well, I think so, obviously. Now, the <laughs> brands you mentioned are made by, well, by white people. And is this something that you noticed or thought about when you were being exposed to South African wines more seriously?
4: I think that I wasn't surprised when you look at the history of South Africa. And one of the first things I think about is apartheid and Mm -hmm. a lot of the struggles with native uh, South Africans and what they had to endure. And a lot of these wines I enjoy are white owned. It's not a surprise to me, but I'm curious what kind of black owned wineries are in South Africa. Cause we are in Africa and not seeing that represented in the wines that I enjoy from South Africa currently uh, is a little disheartening. But again, even in America, it's the same. You see the same parallels there and same Mm -hmm. struggles.
0: Okay. I hope in this case, we've managed to send you a few wines that are made by Black-owned brands. Now, these are all a very interesting model because these are not necessarily a single Black winemaker or a state owner Mm -hmm. in the maybe typical sense. These are all brands where the workers have been set up to become owners or partial owners, of the winery, either on their own or together with the white owners who had the property. So it really allows a lot of people to come involved with the project and profit from the project because it's spread across the workers rather than just in the hands of one or two people. Were you familiar with that model before these wines showed up?
4: No, I wasn't familiar with that model at all. That's something like if you look at what's happening in the U.S., That's not something that you see at all, or at least in my experiences, that's amazing. Just bringing the profits, that wealth, back to the Black community makes a huge impact. Uh, And the lasting impact, too. I wish I saw that in America, but I'm proud of the wines that you sent me because of their story and what they do for their communities and making sure that the future generations have a foundation to build their own wealth on.
0: Mm -hmm. Great. So now what do you think of the wines themselves?
4: So when it gets down to the wines, I really enjoy them. I've seen colleagues make Instagram posts about Stellan Roost. The Boston wine is an orange wine. Every sommelier talks about orange wine. (laughs) Um, And the Fair Valley Pinotage is a surprisingly delicious balanced wine, and we can talk about that a little bit later, about my experience with Pinotage and how it hasn't been super positive, I really enjoyed that wine as well.
0: Now, you started off, you mentioned the the Stelten Roost Chenin Blanc. Here we've got the dominant grape in South Africa, the standard bearer for the country. Does this live up to that role?
4: Okay. For the Chenin Blanc, to me, comparing it to other South African Chenin Blanc that I've had, I think it over delivers for its quality. When I tasted this wine, there was definitely a sense of acidity and zestiness, things that you would expect from a Chenin Blanc. The wine itself to me is lean. The fruit is there, but there's other uh, flavors and texture here that I think give it a lot of character that I wouldn't typically see in um, a lower end Chenin Blanc. The vines that they use are over 30 years old. So there's an attention to concentration and that's something I would expect to see in a Chenin Blanc from South Africa. So with that use of uh, feral fermentation and used French oak, it broadens the palate for me and becomes something very delicious. The fruit is prominent and there's this beautiful floral quality as well that shows up in the wine that you can only get in slightly warmer climate compared to France.
0: And now for a a sommelier (laughs) favorite, we have an orange wine, as you say, a category that sommeliers tend to geek out on. You said this is your first one from South Africa, I think.
4: It is, yes. So Bosman Family Fides is a skin contact Grenache Blanc Mm -hmm. um, from Wellington. I was really excited about this wine before I even popped the cork. I don't have a lot of experience with wines, specifically from Wellington. So it's definitely a great opportunity to taste what this W.O. has to offer. And it's naturally fermented. So they traditionally made this wine in a style that you'd see in Georgia or northeastern Italy. And I think that the juice shows that as well. Just in the color alone, you get this beautiful amber hue Uh, there's a little bit of copper color as well from extended skin contact so I believe on the text sheet it says that they had 20 days of skin contact I typically don't see Grenache Blanc as an orange wine so it's exciting to see what this grape does with extended skin contact and its characteristics so the color is beautiful it's what I'd expect for an orange wine it's pretty viscous and then you put the wine to your nose, it's aromatic. Aromatic is not a word I typically use with Grenache Blanc. So it's nice to see this heightened sense of character from this grape. But it still is pretty true to its varietal. So it's waxy. It's got a lot of body. The fruit character is more Fuji apple and orange zest, candied orange peel, dried apricot, Typical fruit notes that you'd find in an orange wine, and then the texture is there. It has this nice, soft, gritty texture, almost like a Pinot Noir, so the tannins are nice and soft. But it's balanced. A lot of orange wines can be very extreme, very chewy. Uh, This wine is balanced with its fruit, its acid, and its tannin structure. Well done.
0: Yeah, I think it's very interesting to see... When we look especially at the Black-owned brands in South Africa, traditionally many of them have not been very adventurous in their winemaking. So Mm -hmm. to see Bossman working with unusual varieties, working with skin contact, you're you're really seeing them really getting into the wine culture and geeking out on their side as well, which is, uh, Mm -hmm. I think, exciting development.
4: Yeah, it's funny that you say that because you wouldn't – I don't know how to say this. I wouldn't expect this from a Black – Owned winery, if you get what I'm saying, because I guess people don't talk about black owned and I think that the common consumer will just expect a black owned wine to be very basic. This is not basic at all. This is hard to do and make it good. It's not easy to make a well made orange wine. This is well made. So there's definitely an attention to detail, a typicity to style. And a progressive look on how they treat the earth, treat their workers, which are now owners. And it was nice to read about the fair trade wines and how mm. they contribute back to the community there. It was really amazing to read and learn about. What can you tell us about fair trade? I briefly read about it, but especially with this wine, it seemed to be an integral part of what they do.
0: Yeah. In this case, Bosman functioned as a nursery for vines, which they still do, but they got back into the winemaking game after a 50-year hiatus. And at the same time they were doing that, they helped their workers create the trust that then became the part owner with the Bosman family in the new company. So Trade came along with creating a trust about the same year. And it's been really important, as you said, for making sure that not just the money goes to the workers, but it goes back into the community in ways that develop the community. We talked to Rita Andres from Bosman earlier, and she was explaining how this has allowed them to create social clubs ranging from a choir to a karate club, which has become so successful. This, I would love this story. It's become oh, wow. so successful that they've actually <laughs> represented South Africa internationally. But on a more practical level, it's allowed transportation so people can get into town, so they can get easier access to medical services, to education for their children, all sorts of really vital programs. And in the South African model, traditionally, these workers live on the farms. So if you don't have access to those things, you don't have access to transportation, because public transportation isn't as well-developed as we would like, then you're really cut off from a lot of these things. So these programs that can really bring you to the city or through the the town at least, or bring these facilities to the farm, make a huge difference in people's lives.
4: That's amazing. Again, I'm happy to see uh, South African wineries take a stance on being more inclusive and progressive. I wish we could mirror that principle in the U.S. more.
0: We've got one more wine, and maybe before we talk about Pinotage, we could talk about the winery because this is one where, in this case, it is 100% worker owned. This brand goes back to the late 90s when Charles Back from Fairview helped with government support to allow his workers to get a piece of property and then make it their own. And this is uh, Fair Valley, who we heard from earlier in the podcast. And this is a Pinotage. Now, you said you'd had some ups and downs in your experience with Pinotage. Is that right?
4: (laughs) Yeah, I've had some ups and downs with Pinotage. Again, my previous experience with Pinotage was a critter wine. There Mm -hmm. was some sort of animal on the label, definitely under $10 retail. And I just thought that's what Pinotage was. High alcohol, out of balance, really funky. So that's just what I thought the grape had for characteristics. Mm -hmm. Um, Then you have a wine like Fair Valley. For me... This wine is a better example of what Pinotage can be. So you have a sense of balance. The fruit, the earth, the smoke, tannin, the fruit and structure are beautifully coexisting. I thought it was beautiful. The fruit is full and vibrant, like a blackberry jam, actually. It has all of these beautiful black fruits with uh, nice red tones, so I think as far as Pinotage goes, I think it has a lot to offer and a lot of beautiful character.
0: Mm-hmm. Great. So we've got a, a good lineup here. How important is knowing these stories to you? And then how important do you think it will be to your customers?
4: Because these wines do have a positive story, especially in the current climate, I think that wanted to be a lot easier to sell. Mm-hmm. So for instance, the Pinotage, because the workers are owners in this specific winery, it would be a lot easier for me to sell because it is black owned, because it does have an incredible story, because it does give back if a consumer buys this specific bottle of wine. That makes it a lot easier for me to do my job on the floor if the wine has a captivating story. And all three of these specific wines do.
0: you have enjoyed this episode of the Wines of South Africa podcast. Both Fair Valley and Bosman have importers in the U.S., and hopefully we'll be seeing Campagne's Drifts wines here soon. You'll find links to their websites and those of their U.S. importers on our website, wosa.us. If you've enjoyed this episode, please tell your friends, or better yet, go to the platform where you found it and leave a review. That will help more people discover it and discover South African wines. In our next episode, we're going to go back in time we'll look at some wineries with histories that go back to the 17th century, the deep roots of the South African wine industry. We'll also see that, old as these brands may be, they haven't lost their touch. Even today, some of these brands are responsible for some of the biggest innovations in the winelands. We'll see you then.